One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, good morning, good day, everybody. Uh, This is part six of our Wisdom-Filled Warrior series. Um, I encourage you, if you haven't listened to the the previous uh, messages, that you go back and listen to those. Uh, It is very, uh, they build upon each other. Uh, until we get to the crescendo at the end, uh, which is the ultimate goal, uh, which is the um, release of wisdom-filled warriors into the church, into schools, cities, nations, uh, the streets, everywhere. Um, I really believe that the Lord is doing a new thing uh, with the awakening of a warrior mentality in the church. People are being uh, awakened to the fact that they've been lulled to sleep uh, with dead messages and powerless forms of religion. And uh, you're going to see things uh, like in the days of David, where people did supernatural feats, uh, defeating giants, fighting man like lions, just doing the supernatural. And so, again, I encourage you to go back, uh, listen to this stuff, uh, you know. When I was being built in the Spirit, there were certain prophetic teachers that I knew um, they carried an anointing, a prophetic mantle um, that I wanted. Um, And I listened to uh, several prophetic teachers for, you know, sometimes one message I would put on repeat um, because there was something beyond the words that I knew the Lord wanted me to receive. And so I encourage you guys, um, when something catches uh, your heart and something begins to burn in you, that you hold on to that till you actually receive it. Amen. Okay, so with that said, um, kind of building uh, on where we left off last time, last time, um, you know, I spent some time talking about uh, the concept of standing in the evil day. Number one, realizing that um, everybody has an enemy. Um, there's no such thing as a perfect Christian or a guy that doesn't have a fight. Um, even in, in this hour, uh, you know, there are things that I am facing, things that uh, are confronting me, trying to limit me and my next venture and the next place the Lord is sending me. And I um, have learned that despite the confrontation, the confrontation is actually, number one, evidence of the call, the intent, the purpose, um, but also the Lord always has more to give me. The, the Lord always has a, a new impartation for the new place, the new people, um, the new message, the new thing that the, the Lord wants to impart where he's sending me. And so, you know, we talked last time about the concept of Ephesians 6, Paul talk, Paul's talking about standing in the evil day. And I taught you that at the very end of the classic warfare scripture um, where it talks about, you know, we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Paul doesn't point to certain scriptures. He points to the rhema, the, the direct voice of God 
imparting to you in dreams and visions he, and, 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 and the culmination, the, rev, the ultimate revelation of facing your enemies, facing your, your giants, so to speak, facing the demonic powers that have haunted your bloodline, haunted, uh, is, is haunting and confronting your calling, your purpose. Um, the, the ultimate revelation is that the voice of the Lord holds all power, all authority, it holds everything you need. And so the voice of the Lord, the rhema, right? The dream, the rhema is, is the now word, which is the dream, uh, the vision or the prophecy that was spoken over you. Um, that seed contains uh, all ability, all power. It is, it is your defensive uh, equipment. It is your helmet, your, sh- your shield, your breastplate. Um, it is your belt of truth. Um, but it's also your offensive weapon. It is your sword, right? It is, um, it's everything. And so as you hold on to the prophetic impartation the Lord has for you that will be challenged, right? We talked about the parable of the sower. If it's a real word from the Lord, you should expect a battle. Why? Because the Lord is, is imparting something in your heart. Your heart needs to be proven in the time of battle as you become one with the seed. That is what opens it in the midst of darkness. And there's no other reason to believe you actually hold on to the seed, which causes the shell uh, to, to crack open. And the life that's inside the seed sprouts roots. It, it grows a shoot, turns into a tree, and ultimately will reproduce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Right? And so... Paul's analogy of the warfare is you as a warrior, you are being, you are completely clothed in the prophetic utterance of the Lord, the vision, the dream, the prophecy. It actually, you become the the vision, you become the dream uh, because you will not let it go. Right. And through that, you reproduce, as Jesus said, um, if you hold on to the seed you will have warfare, but when it's time in due season, it will produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So that concept is central to moving forward as a warrior and functioning in the prophetic. Because how can a person prophesy if they haven't been proven in battle that they trust and hold on to the revelation of the Holy Ghost no matter what, right? So what I'm going to talk to you about today is really the revelation of how powerful the spirit of revelation really is. You know, Jesus referenced um, the Holy Spirit as a number of things. He, he talked about the, this, the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, right? Truth is not just something written on paper. Although the Bible's true, it spiritually may not be applied right by man in the right place, the right time, with the right revelation, the right intent. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal exactly what he wants to do in the moment, using the Bible to to articulate an understanding, but also more importantly, to speak directly to the people that he sends you to speak to. Okay? Anybody, you can teach a monkey to regurgitate scripture, but only a spirit-filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost, born-again believer, hearing the voice of God can be sent to the people. Okay? And so central to the central to this is the fact that you are revelation dependent and not scripture dependent. Okay? It is revelation 
that reproduces. Okay, Jesus Christ um, is known um, in the book of Revelation as the spirit of prophecy. So Jesus reveals himself through prophecy. He reveals the kingdom through the direct voice of the Lord in dreams, visions, and prophecy. And so the ultimate understanding beyond individual scripture interpretation of the book of Revelation, the ultimate revelation is the, the whole meaning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is it's, it's, it's relationally dependent on revelation as the Lord wants to speak in the very moment that you stand in today. That is the ultimate revelation of Christ. He's alive and he will speak today. And so when the Lord sends me places, I know I'm not going there to, to um, articulate scripture. I will use scripture to teach. I will use scripture to reveal meanings and examples. But I ultimately am going to places to impart the Holy Ghost in prophecy, words of knowledge, and every gift of the Spirit, um, because it's not just words, it's actually an impartation. The kingdom actually is imparted to people. Paul talked about that when he, when he was speaking, uh, when he went to Corinth in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, he goes, and, and at the beginning of, of the chapter, he's talking about what it was like to try to prove to the Corinthians that Jesus is real. And he says he basically realized, oh my gosh, I, I'm trying to philosophize with the, the best philosophers in the world. And he realized the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ, can't be taught through philosophy. You're not trying to teach people a philosophy and convince them philosophically that he exists. Paul says, I, I, I said, oh my gosh, what am I doing? He says, um, I did not come with wise words of wisdom of men, but with the demonstration of the kingdom and power, right? And we'll, we'll come back to that scripture in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was, when, when the Lord was taking me deep in the awakening of my purpose and call, um, there's a couple scriptures that just burned in me. And one of, one of those was, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, um, Paul says, I pray that you would be granted the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the intimate knowing of Jesus Christ. Um, first off, he's not talking about knowing about Jesus and trying to prove to people that he exists in Scripture. He's talking about revealing Jesus. He's talking about depending on wisdom and revelation to introduce Jesus to the people that he sends you to, okay? And so I literally, for probably seven years every day of my life, from 2005 to 2012, I prayed Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, every day of my life. It was included in my seeking because when I got the revelation that the Lord gives more, where you're at today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. If you continue to seek more and more and more, people people say, why do you have so many dreams? Why do you have so many visions? Why, how can you stand and prophesy over a church body for hours and hear what the Lord is saying? And I say, well, I sought, number one, the Lord gave me the revelation that the kingdom is voice driven and it is revealed to those seeking what the voice of the Lord is saying, right? That was the correction in the book of, in the book of Revelation chapter two, three, and four, Jesus gives seven corrections to the church. And after every correction, 
He gives the clue. It's like catch a clue, guys. Hear what the voice of the Lord is saying. Hear what the voice of the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hear. Seek me and find me. Seek and find. Hear me what I'm saying to the churches. Hear me what I'm saying to the churches. It is the answer. So it, there's, it requires a desperate heart to cry out for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be granted to you. Okay, and we're, we're going to pray at the end uh, for that concept to be imparted. But you got to you got to grab hold of it. Okay, the the kingdom is always expanding and growing, and those who seek the Lord in such a fashion that you continually hear Him, that you continually have visions, that you continually have dreams. Um, you know, I've I've already shared a lot of uh experiences and dreams visions and you know there's a lot of detail the lord gives me detail he gives me names he gives me actual scripture he gives me situations um those are details um i can i can i mean there's in my personal uh prayer log uh i mean i've had visions that lasted for over 2 hours where the lord took me into heaven and started to show things and articulate and show me certain rooms where certain abilities are stored and and what I could ask for and uh, certain scriptures that were connected to um, what he was trying to show me. And so, you know, I just I'm, I'm telling you this, guys, because it's important that you realize that it's not like this fallacy that most of the American church has bought into, which is you went to the altar once and you're good. You've achieved it. That's a lie. That is the actual lie from the devil. Um, the true heart of the follower, the believer in Christ, pursues and pursues and pursues with expectation that the Lord would pour out his spirit. He would continue to reveal his kingdom to those who seek him. OK, and so that's a major takeaway in this session, guys. And so I want to I want to give you an example of an impartation that the Lord gave me when I was uh, beginning to work with pastors in India. Um, in 2017, um, I had this dream where the Lord imparted something to me, and then he uh, sent me to India, okay? And um, I'm going to tell you the experience in India before I tell you what the Lord imparted to me, because I want to teach it to you. Um, but when I went to India um, in 2017, uh, I think this was early 2017, the, um, you know, had about 200 pastors scheduled in a meeting. Uh, it was an all day meeting. Uh, we were actually going to do three sessions. Um, but the night before I had this dream and, uh, Jesus met me in a hallway, uh, in a hotel room. I'm sorry. He met me in a hallway of a hotel and, uh, he opened a door. We walk in and there was a dead man laying in bed and Jesus looked at me and he said can these bones live and I I said yes Lord and I started to prophesy and command uh, the man to come to life he came to life we walked down the hall to another room uh, again we walk in there's a dead man laying in bed and Jesus says can these bones live and I said yes Lord and I started to prophesy and command the man commanded life to come into the man Okay, he sat up in bed and uh, he came alive, right? And uh, this happened several more times and the dream ended. And so, um, man, like I woke up the next day like electrified. I knew what the Lord wanted to do. And so um, 
I basically took the dream and, uh, you know, we go in and we start to, I start to ask the 200 pastors about the Holy Spirit, what they know about the Holy Spirit. And like four out of the 200 are baptized in the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues. Um, none of them see visions. None of them know the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't function at all by the voice of God. All they have is, is scripture. Okay. Um, because, uh, you know, this area of India that the Lord has sent me to, um, is the product of a bunch of denominational missionaries that basically took the Bible without the Holy Ghost. Okay. And so all these guys had is the Bible. And so anyway, so I immediately know immediately what the Lord wants to do. First thing out of the gate, right? So, um, I get the interpreter and, um, I start to describe the dream. Um, and as I'm describing the dream, um, I then begin to prophesy. And as I begin to prophesy to the people, um, all I can explain as is it was it. I mean, the presence of God came in the room and uh, there was an excitement. There was the just this life came in the room. And for the next it, what was supposed to be like three uh, three sessions throughout the day with breaks in between, it turned into an all day session. We started at 10 o'clock and I didn't stop until seven o'clock that evening. Okay. And nobody left. The presence of God was so heavy. I started to prophesy and then prophesy over people individually. And as I was prophesying, probably about 90 minutes into the session, my interpreter started to shake and cry and weep and he fell out in the spirit. He's laying on the floor. Okay. And so I don't, I have nobody to interpret. So we grab, we find another guy that can uh, interpret um, Hindi and, uh, and English. And uh, so he begins to interpret what I'm ministering and what I'm prophesying. And uh, about three hours into this, holy laughter broke out. Okay. And if you know anything about the Indian culture, um, these India, Indian pastors, it's actually illegal in a lot of places to laugh. You're not allowed to laugh in church. You're not allowed to have fun. You're not allowed to embrace the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually against the, the, the concept of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is peace and joy, right? Um, I mean, I've ministered and preached. You've heard me tell stories. Uh, I go in places, and it's not like by design I do it, um, but I don't know, the anointing of, of joy and laughter and restoration will come into the room, and you know, the whole the whole church will start to to laugh, and that's what happened in in about three hours into this session. Um, you know, these pastors begin falling out in the spirit, and they start laughing, and they don't even know they're being baptized in the Holy Ghost at this moment. Okay, but uh, you know, these guys are. It's just it's just supernatural. I can't I can't explain everything that was was uh, going on other than saying it was supernatural, and. Um, you know, midway through the holy laughter thing happening, this interpreter begins to weep and cry and shake and boom, he falls in the ground. So I, I've now lost two interpreters. They get another guy. Okay. Uh, this next guy, he stands up. He's, he's like, he's scared to death because he doesn't know what's going to happen to him at this point. Right. He's, he's just like, he's now been saturated in the Holy ghost for three or four hours. And all he knows is he knows what the Holy ghost is at this moment. And, um, so he begins to interpret for me and I, I'm just rolling, man. I mean, and this is not unusual. I mean, I, I go to different cities and 
I'll start preaching in living rooms sometimes at uh, six or seven o'clock and I don't get done till four or five a.m. And the, the house is still filled with people because the presence of God is there. Okay. And, and ministry and supernatural stuff's happening. And so this, this is not unusual, but at this moment for these Indians, this is extremely unusual. Okay. For these Indian pastors and the craziest part of the whole the whole session the supernatural part that was just like punching their dead religion in the nose was um pastors started to manifest and demons started to started to come forward i'm casting demons out of pastors and these guys are like oh my gosh what is that right so i I start teaching on demonology and 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 uh, what a demon is and 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 all all of that stuff and um you know Lo and behold, another another interpreter falls out. This is now three interpreters. And so long story short, somewhere around seven o'clock that evening, um, you know, we're done. Um, and it's after as soon as soon as the the casting out of the devils happened um, immediately, it was like, OK, there's been enough signs and wonders. These guys are convinced that this is the Holy Spirit. And uh, everybody got baptized in the Holy Ghost and they're all praying in tongues. Okay, and so, you know, that this is a pretty wild story, um, but it's not unusual when I go places and people are hungry for the spirit. And so um, you may say, well, how in the world can that happen? How how can a guy minister for that long? And I'm you know, my answer is I'm not dependent on memorized messages I don't do memorized messages. I will teach you scripturally certain things, particularly, you know, what the Lord has taught me and imparted to me scripturally. But most of what I do is ministry and impartation to people. Okay. And so what I did in this session was what I had received weeks earlier in a dream. Okay. And what I'm going to tell you that happened in the dream is very similar to what I described what happened on that day with those 200 pastors, um, with prophecy, uh, literally prophesying that the dead bones, the dead religious bones without the Holy Spirit are going to come to life and be baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're going to witness. They're going to see. They're going to see holy laughter. They're going to see the outpouring of joy. They're going to see uh, supernatural healing. They're going to see demons cast out of people. That is the kingdom, right? That's Mark 16. Uh, these signs shall follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will pray in tongues. They will take up serpents. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That is the kingdom. That is the supernatural. Okay. And so that day, I believe, even though I had a dream the night before about these bones, can these bones live? That was actually the whole 24 hours leading up to that event was really um, the awakening of a of a of a different dream that the Lord had several weeks before I went to India and imparted something to me. Okay. And, um, I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through this dream that I had. Um, and you're going to see the similarities in the impartation. So, um, in this dream, uh, I had been in a conversation with the Lord for weeks. He was, um, talking to me, about a new thing and about embracing a new thing that he was going to give me. And so I went to I went to sleep one night and I had the following dream. Okay, I'm standing in a hallway um, and I'm holding a torch. And uh, this torch uh, has written on it, 
um, India on one side and USA on the other. Okay, and there's two prayer shawls that um, are uh, they're draped over me, but I'm I'm holding them on, I'm holding them around my my neck. I'm holding on to what the Lord gave me with these two prayer shawls. Okay, and these were different impartations that the Lord gave to me. Um, one of them was when He first called me to go to India. Um, and, and I, I was convinced I had to hold on to these. I wasn't going to leave them go. Okay. And so as I'm standing in the hallway, Jesus appears in front of me and, um, there's a, there's a new, uh, there's like a, um, what I'll call a, a white cloak, um, that was laying on the floor that he, that he had put, uh, it was for me. But I literally had to leave go what of what I was holding on to in order to pick up this this new cloak. And I was um, in this conversation with Jesus that I wanted what he had to give me that was new, but I didn't want to leave go of what he gave me previously because I valued it so much. Okay, and so I asked him in the dream, will you so that I don't have to bend down? and leave go and and possibly lose what you gave me so I can pick up the new thing. I said, can you put the new coat on me? And Jesus said, yes. And he, he bent down, he picked up the white cloak and um, he put it around my shoulders. Okay. And when he put it around my shoulders, there were these big red letters written on the front of this cloak. And it said, 1 Samuel 19, 19. And that scripture is this. It says, Now was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naoth Ramah. Okay? And so, um, we turn around in, in, in the place where we're standing. He walks me into a hallway. Um, and at the end of the hallway, um, there was a graveyard. And we're walking into the graveyard um, and he asked me the question, can these bones live? And I said, yes. And he said, prophesy. And so I started to prophesy and commanded life to come into the dead. And suddenly in the dream, you saw hands reach up through the ground. Okay. And so they came, they were coming up to life. And the next thing is that he walked me into a church and he asked me the question, can these bones live? And I said, yes, Lord. And he said, I command you to prophesy. And he says, David dwells at Naoth Ramah. And boom, man, I woke up out of this dream electrified. And, and the first thing is, I mean, you know, previously I, I probably read through the book of Samuel on many different occasions, probably focusing on David and the giant and different things. But Naoth Ramah did not ring a bell for me. It wasn't something prevalent on my heart or even knew what Naoth Ramah was. And so when I woke up, um, I, I jump into the scripture. I find uh, Naoth Ramah in 1 Samuel 19. And I'm going to read this to you. This is 1 Samuel 19, verse 18 to 24. And this is at the time where um, Saul was throwing spears at David, hunting him down in the wilderness. Um, David had just going in to, uh, um, you know, eat the showbread out of out of the um, uh, the place where only the priests could go, and uh, 
Saul and and his um, assassins were hunting David at this moment. And so David um, is fleeing for his life. And the place where he runs to, the place where um, he actually finds solace and protection from the Lord is in this place called Naoth Ramah. And so that's where I'm going to pick up the story. Um, starting with verse uh, chapter 1 Samuel 19, starting with verse 18, it says, So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth. Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. Now these messengers, they appeared as messengers, but they were actually assassins. Saul was sending assassins to kill David, okay? And it says that when the assassins saw the group of prophets prophesying at Naoth Ramah, and Samuel standing over them as the leader, the Spirit of God came upon the assassins of Saul, and they all prophesied. Okay? So, you gotta, you got to recognize what the Lord was saying to me when He said, David dwells at Naoth Ramah. Okay? He's saying that even the assassins that are sent to come get you, even the demonic powers, even the principalities, even every evil thing that comes after you, they will be like these assassins, right? When they come to the place where you are prophesying, where you uh, are in the presence of God so powerfully, um, the power of prophecy, the power of the Holy Spirit actually will be released and have power over the assassin over the sent one of evil that is meant to destroy you. They will strip off their clothes and literally run. Right? They will when when somebody strips off their clothes, they their their identity is changing. No longer do they have power and authority um, as an assassin to do what they're called to do. They actually flee. Right? And so, picking up from there, it says. When Saul was told, when basically the assassin went back to Saul, um, Saul then was like, this isn't possible. That, there's no way that my assassin can be stopped, right? So it says that Saul sent another uh, assassin, another messenger, and they, when they came at, to the hill, the place of David and Samuel um, prophesying the word of the Lord, it says that they stripped down their clothes and they pros- they prophesied likewise, okay? <laughs> and so this guy goes back to Saul and says, it happened to me too. I was powerless when the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the prophetic, um, when I came into contact with it, I had no power. It actually shifted and overpowered me. And the next thing I know, I'm prophesying just like David's prophesying, Okay. So this guy goes back and tells Saul, and the next part of the scripture, it says, Now Saul sent a third time another another assassin, and it happened to them. They came to the hill, and they also stripped down their clothes, and they prophesied. So this guy comes back and tells Saul, right? So it says, "Then, Then Saul also went to Ramah and came to the to the great well that is at Seku, 
So he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And so Saul went there to Naoth and Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon Saul also. And he went on and he prophesied until he came to Naoth Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all day and night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Now, this is a very powerful story, okay? Why did the Lord come to me in a dream, put a new cloth on me, a new ability that had this specific scripture? <laughs> what, he was, what was he given to me? Um, all I can tell you is there is growth in the anointing. There is growth in ability. There is growth in being sent to new places. And he always equips you for the new thing that you are going into. And although I prophesied, although I prophesied, I was prophesying powerfully at this point, he was actually giving me more. He was giving me a greater revelation and a greater confidence that one guy on a hill in Naoth Ramah, prophesying in the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, has the ability to cause every enemy that comes to assassinate him. Are you catching my drift, guys? Every enemy that comes to assassinate him, that is assigned to kill him, if they come within a certain range of my prophetic voice, I will strip them of their clothes, I will strip them of their authority, I will strip them of all of their ability, and they will run, they will run, they will either they will they will succumb to the power and, and the anointing of prophecy and be aligned with the Lord, or they will fall, run away. And go back and tell Saul, saying, I'm powerless to do my assassination work against the son uh, called David because of the anointing of prophecy that is so heavy upon him in that place. Are you catching my drift, guys? Are you catching my drift with how powerful the prophetic anointing can be in those who dwell in revelation, dwell in the fact of they know that if I if I dig deeper in prayer, if I dig deeper in my relationship with the Lord, if I reach deeper into the river of life, that there's a greater anointing, there's a greater call, there's a greater ability, a greater power, um, and, and there is ultimately this clothing that the Lord can put on you that has the ability to even cause your assassins that come, that the enemy sends to kill you, you will have power over your assassins. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. I mean, drop the mic. Are you catching it? Right? I mean, my God. Can you catch the revelation now of why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, I desire you pray in tongues, even more that you prophesy that the church should be built on the prophetic and the release of the prophetic because it is a hill. It is a place of Naoth Ramah. It is the place where all the assassins that come against the sons and daughters of God should run away clothless, without power, without authority, because the direct voice of God is flowing through the, the prophetic anointing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the house of God. Glory, hallelujah, amen. Drop the mic, it's over, right? All right, I mean, I mean, my goodness, 
If, if this doesn't give you the revelation of how powerful the gift of the Holy Ghost and the gift of prophecy is to sons and daughters and what you can step into in your relationship and, and just driving for more of the Lord, that there is a greater impartation and there's a greater authority and power that you are never rendered powerless if you have the gift of prophecy. If you hear his voice in dreams and visions, you are never rendered powerless. Your enemy is at the mercy of those who prophesy. Are you with me? My God, I want, I'm, I'm ready to run. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to prophesy till the dead come out of the graveyard. I'm ready to walk into another church because I know that when I prophesy, the dead will be raised to life. Those who have never experienced or seen the Holy Spirit will know that when prophecy comes, that even the assassins of the sons and daughters of God, they will run away. They will be cast out. They will driven, be driven out as the prophetic is released into the church. One guy walking with the Lord, hearing his voice, Walking in the, the gift of revelation is a supernatural force. One guy can walk into a dead church and set it on fire. Are you with me? One guy can walk into a workplace and begin to prophesy and call the dead to life. And there will be people who never knew Christ that because you prophesied the word of the Lord, they will encounter the Holy Ghost and never be the same again. Are you with me? Are you with me? My God. You see, the revelation of what the Lord imparted to me in this dream actually manifested when he sent me to work with this group of pastors in India. I didn't know that that's the way it was going to transpire, but the pattern that was in the dream, the pattern that the Lord showed me that every assassin that came to kill David could not stand against the prophetic anointing. In fact, the prophetic anointing calls the dead to life. And the Lord for years sent me into India to work with Pretty large numbers of pastors, two, three, four hundred pastors at a time. All when I was done with them were shaking in the presence of the God, praying in tongues and seeing visions for the first time in their life. Right. Having demons cast out of them. Holy laughter, awakenings to the realm of the spirit. Why? Because the spiritual blindness, the false, the dead religion that they were functioning in was no match for one man who knew the spirit of prophecy, who could prophesy and let the spirit of prophecy flow for hours until the assassins, all the assassins close, all the blinding forces that caused these pastors to remain powerless, all of that false anointing, all that, fa all that false bravada of dead religion was driven off of the, off of these guys as a, as, as interpreter after interpreter laid on the floor, shook and cried and was undone in the presence of the Lord. And, and these guys, these pastors are literally baptized and praying in tongues saying, what in the world was that? What they knew before couldn't match the presence of God, the very gift, the very anointing of the, of the spirit of prophecy that, that literally causes all the enemies of God to run away, shaking in their boots, fleeing and begging for help, saying, saying with their own words, I am powerless, I am powerless against the prophetic voice. I am absolutely powerless. That's the words of the assassin going back to Saul. I am powerless against the prophetic voice. No wonder 
The Lord sends the prophetic anointing into dead places, dead churches, dead organizations that essentially are graveyards to begin to prophesy and suddenly hands reach through the ground. There are signs of life. One person gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. Two, then five, then ten. And the pastor's shaken. Everything is changed because the outpouring of the Holy Ghost comes through one guy that can prophesy. Are you with me? Are you with me, church? My God, the Lord is awakening warriors, wisdom-filled warriors, revelation-filled warriors in this hour seeking the the weapons of their warfare, the rhema of the Lord. One dream, one vision from the Lord can shake nations, guys, can shake nations. And this revelation, the contrast between life and death has to be so grasped that you, number one, you can quickly recognize dead, powerless religion. I don't care how much scripture they use. If there's no power, if demons aren't being driven out, If people aren't being awakened and baptized in the Holy Ghost, seeing visions and prophesying, then it's dead, okay? And the contrast between life and death is significant. I don't care if they go to the altar and they say they believe in Jesus. Jesus actually said there would be evidence. There would be signs that follow him that believe. If you believe in Christ and follow him, then you will cast out devils. You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. You will pray in tongues. You will use the gift of the Spirit. You certainly will embrace the prophetic outpouring that happens at Naoth Ramah. Amen? And so... This pattern of Pentecost is the equipping of the supernatural warrior. The supernatural wisdom-filled warrior is to take the pattern of Pentecost. The pattern of Pentecost is the wind blows and the dead come to life. The wind blows, demons are cast out. The wind blows, right? People were healed. The wind blows and something things that cannot be explained happen. And so you have to embrace and expect in the unexpected the unexplainable, the uncontrolled, right? And you've heard me say this before. I mean, if you walk in and you're part of a church where even the worship and everything is orchestrated down to the minute, that's not the Holy Ghost. I don't don't care. It's not. That is not um, the, the prophetic outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And so... You know, the same pattern happens in Acts 19. Uh, In Acts 19, Paul is walking in Ephesus. He comes across 12 uh, people, 12 disciples who believed in repentance, but they were not baptized in Christ. Paul says, okay, that's cool. You, You repented of sin, but have you been baptized in Christ, right? This is Acts, or I'm sorry, yeah, Acts chapter 19, verse verse 1 to 11. You should go read that. So Paul, Paul speaks to these guys and he says, basically, have you been resurrected? And they said, no, we've repented. We're basically still in our tomb, but we've not been resurrected in Christ. And Paul says, well, we better get you resurrected. We better get you Uh, awakened, born again as a new creature, born again as a supernatural creature, right? And so it says that Paul laid his hand on them and it says they prayed in tongues and prophesied. And after that, revival broke out in Ephesus. One guy walking into a new region asking, 
Have you been resurrected in the Holy Ghost? Just asking a question. You'll, what, what I've learned is there are a lot of people that don't know the difference between going to the altar and repenting versus being resurrected in the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the new life of Christ. A lot of people think they're, they're born again, but they've, they're not. They haven't been fully resurrected. A full resurrection, a full born again moment only happens in death and resurrection. The only thing that can resurrect you is the Holy Ghost, right? Jesus went to the grave and he, he, he was dependent on the Holy Ghost to resurrect him. And so just as we are in the likeness of Christ's death, so shall we be. This is uh, Romans chapter 6. So as we are in the likeness of the death of Christ, so shall we be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the only thing that can resurrect us, contrary to most religious believers' perception, that Scripture resurrects you. Scripture can't resurrect you. There's only one thing that resurrects, and that is the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost, which is a baptism. And tongues is the first evidence that, oh my God, it's no longer about you. It's about the Holy Ghost. Okay? And the the point of Naoth Ramah is there is a there is a depth in the anointing where you become so dependent on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit actually becomes the force that you live by, you are truly born again, and you live by the Holy Ghost. And when you prophesy the word of the Lord, every assassin that comes against you is powerless against the direct voice of God. Right? That's that's Genesis chapter one. The the voice spoke into the darkness, and the darkness had no answer for the for the light that was spoken into it. The light created. The power is in the prophetic voice. Okay? And so um you know, when Paul, I, I referenced this scripture at the beginning, uh, when Paul goes into uh, the Greeks in Greece, right, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, he says, basically, I tried to philosophize with the philosophers, and I realized, what am I doing? I know the spirit of prophecy. I know the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And it says um, that his faith no longer was in trying to convince people that Jesus is real. He basically demonstrated Jesus Christ is real. He says, he says in verse 3, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In my speech and my preaching were not with per- persuasive words of human wisdom, philosophy, and by the way, there was no Bible. There was no New Testament back then. So he wasn't trying to teach them scripture. There was no human wisdom that he was trying to articulate with these guys. He says, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power, the dunamis, supernatural force of God. Amen. So the question to you is, do you dwell at Naoth Ramah? If you don't, you can you can you can seek the spirit of revelation you can pray and seek the lord and begin to have deep visions deep dreams deep encounters with the lord where he literally imparts to you and so you become impartation of the holy spirit dependent it's a way of life it's it's the way i learned from the spirit when i learned to, to pray. And that's why I pray in tongues as much as I do. Praying in tongues is actually the way of impartation. Okay. Because you're dependent on the Lord to give to you, not you trying to memorize scripture and think you know how to use it. 
I didn't I didn't say I'm going to go to first Samuel uh, chapter 19 verse 19 and I claim that scripture no I sought the Lord in spiritual prayer he comes to me in a dream and imparts a specific scripture that he an ability in that scripture that he gave to me in that very hour for an awakening that was going to happen um, in India and when I started to work with pastors in the days ahead. And when I started to work in deliverance ministry at a higher level with larger numbers of people in the days ahead, in the days ahead. Okay. It was a shift in, in anointing. It was a shift in understanding. I own. I, and when he put the cloth on me of 1 Samuel 1919, 19, I own. It's me. I, I I believe it. I embody it. Um, I've demonstrated it. I will demonstrate it till, till I am all, done with my walk on this earth. Um, I will prophesy and I will see demons cast out. I will prophesy. I will see people uh, shake and tremble. I will prophesy. I will see people set free from uh, brokenness and shame. I will prophesy and see every assassin sent by the enemy run and shake in fear at the sound of the prophetic voice. Are you with me, guys? And so I want to teach you about uh, one last thing here for the day. Um, I want to teach you one more thing about Revelation and the scriptural understanding of how powerful Revelation um, really is. Revelation um, is uh, the impartation from the Holy Ghost in dreams and visions. That's what it, it's, it's about the kingdom being revealed, right? The Lord said he promised to speak to us in dreams and visions, that's Joel 2.28, says he promised to speak to us in dreams and visions and that we would prophesy as a result of being given dreams and visions. And so prophecy, the degree and power of your prophecy and standing on that hill at Naoth Ramah is directly connected to your pursuit of the Holy Spirit and and the receiving of revelation. So the, the frequency of your prayer, the frequency of the Lord speaking to you is very important. Every time he speaks to you, he is building you. We talked, I think it was uh, maybe two sessions ago uh, where I talked about Jude one twenty. Um, he says, um, uh, build yourself up in your most holy emotion, praying in the Holy Spirit. And when you pray in tongues, you are actually drawing revelation. You are drawing the Lord to speak to you. And every time he speaks to you, it's a building block, right? He builds a foundation. Then he builds a first floor. Then he builds a second floor. And the, and the more you hear him, the more, the bigger the skyscraper is. You become a dominant force in the landscape The landscape, based on your hearing of the Lord and every time he imparts to you, okay? That's why Paul, when you wrap your mind around this, Paul is saying um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 17, he's, he's saying, I pray that you would be granted the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the intimate knowing of him, okay? Not simply knowing about him, personally knowing him, he reveals to you the kingdom. He's building you. He's making you a supernatural force, one who will prophesy at Naoth Ramah and your enemies will flee, okay? So let me just read. I'm going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 21. Uh, because I want to teach you about what the Lord is saying about the authority of Christ and the and the authority to break 
demonic power. Okay? And so I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the intimate knowing of him. It, the, the, the New King James uses the word knowledge of him. But if you study that word out, there is a distinguishing element in the scripture between knowing about him. They use a, they use a certain word uh, versus knowing him. And in this case, it, it's about knowing him personally in relationship with the Spirit. So he's talking about wisdom and revelation being granted by the Holy Spirit. It's imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, okay? He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, right? That you would be granted revelation, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He's basically saying you, your calling will be revealed as you seek wisdom and revelation, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Meaning that it is, it is his intent, his inheritance is, his, is in imparting to you wisdom and revelation. He wants to impart to you wisdom and revelation. He wants to reveal to you the kingdom. But the, the hinge point, the, the thing that locks people out is prayer life. Your prayer life will dictate your relationship and your relationship will dictate the amount um, of wisdom and revelation, the degree of the kingdom that is revealed to you. Okay. Next section. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? The word power there is the word dunamis. It means dynamite. It's, it's the literal dynamite of when the Lord speaks. Okay. The greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, in this context, it's the Greek word kratos. Okay. Kratos is the absolute creative ability of prophecy, dreams, visions. It's equivalent to John, First uh, John, I'm sorry, it's equivalent to John 1 verse 5. The light shined into the darkness and the darkness couldn't stop it. So the connection piece here is that he's, he's, he wants to reward you. He wants to reveal to you. He wants to give you that you would know his mighty power, that you would be granted supernatural dynamite um, by his kratos, his, his words, okay? So by his words, by his vision and dream, he's going to give you dynamite. He's going to give you ability you did not have. Now, what is that? going to give you, okay? Next section of the scripture, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, resurrection, okay? And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world, but in the world to come. What does that mean? When he says far above all principality and power, the word power in that context is the Greek word exousia, it means authority. So the word might means the word dunamis and the word dominion in this context means the word kratos. So what does this mean? The serpent whispers to you. It has the ability to release a demonic energy, an anointing, a demonic energy upon you. Fear, anxiety, hopelessness. All of the all all of the feelings of despair, heaviness, depression, oppression, those are all demonic anointings. They come from whisperings. Okay? 
So Paul is saying that every demonic thing spoken, which carries its own demonic dynamite, its own demonic authority, um, what Jesus tells you will break all demonic authority, all demonic dynamite, all demonic Kratos power of, of those words that are spoken to you by the evil one. Because they imprison you, they chain you, they, they keep you broken, they keep you without ability, they keep you blind to what the spirit of revelation and wisdom wants to give you, okay? And so um, it's, it's important that you wrap your mind around the context of what is, is being said here. Paul is saying that as you seek wisdom and revelation, what the Lord says to you will break all authority, all ability, all power of the demonic powers that have come to to keep you bound in curses, keep you bound and powerless, keep you bound, right? There is nothing that the enemy has that can keep you from Christ if you embrace the gifting of the Holy Spirit, which is your avenue to gain wisdom and revelation, okay? So your whole prayer life should be built around receiving, what you, you can't give what you don't receive. I couldn't give in India what I hadn't received. I'd become so, I, number one, I received a vision that carried a, an impartation. It carried a weight. It carried a calling. It carried a cloth, so to speak, an ability, right? I had an ability to now prophesy and see dead, dead uh, people that were dead in the spirit being baptized, now being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now seeing demons cast out of people, being being uh, whole rooms of dead religious guys being overcome with holy laughter. That's a miracle. That's an act of God. Okay? And so Paul, Paul is emphasizing that if you seek wisdom and revelation, you will do the same thing. You will receive dreams and visions that empower you and equip you to break all powers of the devil. The power of Christ, right? We've talked about this. The power uh, that Christ gives you in dreams and visions are keys. And he promised in Matthew 16, I will give you the keys and whatever you bind on earth, whatever you prophesy will be already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will already loosed in heaven, right? So binding and loosing is a concept of whenever you speak, you are, you are connecting people to the revelation of the prophetic of what you were speaking. And at the same time, you are breaking the authority of the demonic. Okay. What happened at Naoth Ramah? When the prophecy came forth, the assassin was rendered powerless. Okay. That's what prophecy does. It actually roots up, destroys, and tears down all authority, all ability, all dynamite power that, dem that the demonic has. And so I'm teaching you this spiritual principle because people run around trying to do deliverance without the prophetic. The prophetic should always be the foundation that uproots and destroys the demonic connection because it's the strategic pointing of the Holy Spirit that speaks a certain vision that causes a demon to manifest in a person. And when it begins to be shaken loose, then you say, come out. Then you command the entity that now no longer has something to hold on to because the prophecy literally shook, shook loose the assassin, shook loose the demonic king, right? 
and it, it it's now scrambling because it knows its time is short and you then cast it out. You command it to leave in the name of Jesus. And so revelation, the spirit of revelation and seeking revelation in your relationship is where you receive the keys of authority because that vision and dream will destroy, tear down and uproot every demonic curse, every demonic um, oppression, every uh, every generational thing that that uh, people are bound in um, all of that the authority of Christ always destroys anything that was spoken of Satan right Satan what what happened at the cross it says that Jesus um, actually made a demonstration of the demonic it says that he went into hell he took the keys of death and sin so now when he was resurrected he holds the keys of life through the Holy Spirit and he holds the keys of death and sin as he took them from Satan. He holds all keys, right? He holds all authority. So what does Satan do? How does Satan have exousia? How does he have authority and power, dynamite? How does he release a demonic anointing over you? Only if you give it to him, right? You're functioning as Adam if you give it to him, right? Adam was a gardener in a war. Jesus Christ is a warrior in the garden. Jesus Christ is where right now? He's in your heart, right? You have a warrior, and when you embody the vengeance, the the destruction of darkness in your heart, because that's where Christ dwells, you embody the mindset of the warrior Christ instead of Adam who gave up his authority. The only authority you don't have right now is a Holy Spirit-baptized believer is what you give and what you let Satan have. He Satan's only Satan has lost all power. If Christ has all keys, how much authority does Satan have? That's right. Even a monkey can do that math. Satan has zero power. So, you may say, "Well, I can't shake this depression." You know what I would say to you? Pray in the Holy Ghost, fast and knock on heaven's door demanding from the Lord your revelation that breaks that demonic exousia, that thing that has whispered on you and your previous generations, that thing that has enslaved you in poverty, that thing has, that has enslaved you in brokenness and oppression, depression, um, whatever it is that has limited you is a lie, guys. It is an absolute lie. It is an absolute lie from the devil the only authority Satan has is what you give him, what you let him have. So I'm not concerned about what you feel at the moment or what you have felt and what you've been fighting against. For those who have been fighting, I would say to you, hold on to the prophecy spoken over you and you will break that demonic power. It will require you to fight every day and fast till it is broken. But once you break it, you then possess an authority, a greater authority. Can I tell you this? It's absolute deception for you to think that there are no demons that you have to fight or no demons that you have to cast out. Every new level in my life, every new anointing, every new ability came with a fight. Okay, I had to actually take back something that Satan stole from me. I had to actually break out of a prison that had limited me. Um, and it all was initiated 
by seeking the Lord in revelation and whatever he wanted to break you out of, what he wanted to give me, what he wanted to reveal to me and empower me to do a new thing came through literally hundreds of visions and conversations with the Lord, hundreds and hundreds of dreams where he came and imparted and gave me new things. Okay. And so when Jesus says, just, you know, one last point here, when Jesus says in, in Luke ten nineteen, behold, I give you authority. That's the word exousia to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power. That's the word dunamis, all the dynamite, all of the demonic despair, hopelessness, oppression, depression, all the stuff of heaviness that you feel that's tangible on you. Jesus gives you authority over the serpent and the scorpion to break that stuff, right? So again, guys, I just encourage you every dream, every vision. Um, and it's really, it really comes down about to the concept of you living in a prayer life of the presence of God, expecting the Lord to speak to you. So like I said, I prayed for, I still pray periodically for wisdom and revelation. Um, but he's, he, he, he grew me in different ways uh, to pray in, at different times in my life for different things. But for the first seven years, from 2005 until 2012, I prayed, Lord, grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would flood my heart with light, that my heart would become what you are, what I am supposed to be. And that's where this revelation of uh, being a wisdom-filled warrior comes from. It's about the revelation of Christ, that as Christ is, we are sons and daughters. We are warriors in a garden and not gardeners in a war. All right? So, Father, I just, I pray, Lord, for every person hearing this right now. I release courage right now to fight the fight. I release courage that there is a greater day, that there is a greater hope, that their real calling, their higher calling in Christ is before them and it is coming. I connect, Lord, their heart to your heart right now with a, with an expectancy, um, a fervency, with a desperation to receive wisdom and revelation. Lord, the day would get dreams and visions that are so profound that they would stand like David at Naoth Ramah and prophesy what you give them in vision and dream and that the assassins sent by the evil one are no match for what you give them in vision and dream and that they prophesy. Lord, I pray for the fullness of Joel 2.28. It says that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. They would dream dreams and have visions that would launch them into prophecy, launch them into Naoth Ramah, launch them into the realm to where they stand in the evil day. And not only do they stand in the evil day, but they overpower the enemy, that they break the back of every generational curse, that they destroy and uproot every evil thing that has promoted spiritual blindness, powerless, hopelessness, and despair in their life. Lord, I pray right now and release the grace of wisdom and revelation. I pray that wisdom and revelation through dreams and visions would multiply so profoundly, Lord, that they would one day, that they would all one day stand on that mountain on Naoth Ramah and prophesy so profoundly to the north, 
to the south, the east, and the west, that they would multiply 30, 60, and 100 fold, time over, time over, and time over. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would lay hands on the masses and see people baptized in the Holy Ghost, that they would lay down the concept of trying to teach people about Jesus and simply receive the vision of the Lord and introduce them by saying, this is what the Lord is saying, and watch the demonic powers leave the people that you're sending them to, Lord. I pray, Lord, for this ultimate revelation of wisdom and revelation and the grace of the awakening of wisdom-filled warriors, Lord, to be to be imparted, Lord. I pray for magnified increase of dreams and visions. Lord, I pray for a magnified increase, Lord, of the weapons of warfare. I pray, Lord, that uh, as, as the scripture says, that they would um, rise up on the mountain to receive uh, weapons of vengeance, wisdom-filled weapons of dreams and visions that would destroy the strongholds, Lord. Give them power, give them pr- uh, power in prayer to receive revelation and to prophesy revelation, Lord, that would intercede uh, for churches, intercede for families, intercede for individuals, intercede for cities, intercede for states, Lord, and even inter- intercede for nations. Lord, let the power of the spirit of revelation be released upon the people right now in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, it's been great. Uh, looking forward to continuing this series. Um, I'm already getting reports from people of just, you know, supernatural things happening as they as people have shifted to truly um, becoming alive in the Holy Spirit. Um, and again, guys, if, if there are people listening um, that have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, I encourage you to uh, get to some of my previous messages, uh, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. The gift of tongues is your, is your foundational weapon of war. Everybody is empowered to receive the gift of tongues. And I encourage you to use your gift of tongues that you would be built up in a most supernatural way in the days ahead that the enemy would fear your coming. Just like the Lord, just, just like Samuel, it says, the Bible says that when Samuel went into cities, they feared him coming because the fear of God was upon him. That meant that he was in such a relationship with the Lord that the Lord spoke directly through Samuel. So I pray that that would uh, come upon you guys, that you would just have this revelation that I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost till my Father in heaven speaks to me. Lord, let that grace come in the name of Jesus. All right, guys. Thanks and uh, looking forward to our next meeting. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.